Hello friends and welcome to your happy Monday Ipswich Town Kings of Anglia podcast. I hope your weekend was good. Ipswich Town of course were singing in the rain at the weekend, beating Swansea City 2-1. Very rainy battle of a game to make it back-to-back wins. Kings of Anglia of course proudly brought you in association with those titans of ball trimming, Manscaped. And speaking of titans of ball trimming, I've got two blokes Oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go straight to Rossi. You've got something to mention, Rossi. What is it? I love Welsh cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I had some Welsh cakes in the press room, and then at the service station, Stu saw me purchase some Welsh cakes, and I ate them in the car home, and I finished them off yesterday. And um, I must have had Welsh cakes in my life at some stage, but. I've discovered them and I love them and I've, I'm going to order more if I can find some. It's to my eternal shame as someone who considers myself something of a foodie that I don't actually know what a Welsh cake is. What is it for those who don't know? It's a scone pretty much in it. It's is a it? flat scone. But uh, I think that's what it is anyway. Um, it's got a bit of fruit in it. It's um, yeah, just yeah, let's do Google it. But um, it, it's, it was just nice. It's, I think it's better. It's better when it's uh, hot and, you know, a bit of butter, maybe a bit of jam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very nice indeed. Welsh cakes added to the Ross Ross Lights list, along with prawns and oranges. Um, Sue, have you ever had a Welsh cake? Are you familiar with them? I think that might be my first time as well, actually, at the weekend. They had them in the press room at half time. Very nice they were as well. Yeah, like a thinner, a thinner scone. Scone, got... however you want to say it. <laughs> yeah, we will. Don't start that. So it's basically a scone that's not not risen, is it? Essentially, like yeah, a flat version of a scone. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Anyway, how are you, Stu? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a, slog, a wasn't it? Yeah, yeah to, to Swansea and back in the day, set off at about seven o'clock and got back on midnight. Um, always a low point when you stop at the same service stations twice in a day. Lee Delamere, no one needs to go to Lee Delamere services two times in the space of a few hours. But um, yeah, the, the journey back is always that that little bit easier when, uh, when there's a win to, to write about and talk about. Indeed, and we're going to do that now. Before we get going, Rossi, by way of segueing into the game, I said Town was singing in the rain. Were you singing in the rain? Because I'm assuming you uh, you got pretty wet pitch side. Funny enough, I actually got more wet after the game uh, when I was doing interviews with the Cowie Army. And actually, mm. when me and Stu and, and the, the lads walked to the car, because the car park was like, you know, a good couple of miles away. Um, so, yeah, we got a bit wet walking there. But uh, during the game, luckily in the first half, the roof covered enough of the you know bit where we were pitch side, so that was fine in the first half. Second half, not so much, but I will admit, I put my hand up, I did go into the stand because I oh, thought... you coward. Nah. Yeah, coward, pretty much. I know yeah. Warren, the other photographer, who's a veteran of um, of these you know ends of you know going across the country, covering football matches, uh, he, he stayed down there, but I just thought, nah, I wanted a different angle, and I didn't want to get wet and... Uh, break another camera so um i decided to go into the stand and um, i think that was the right decision to be honest fine i like it right then we're going to talk about the game now obviously town won two one at swansea first of all we're going to hear from our lord and saviour kieran mckenna and then i ask you boys what you thought about it so let's hear from kieran two wins on the road in the space of four days and that's one you, you really had to dig in for towards the end in difficult conditions um what did you make of it today yeah i really enjoyed it it was a uh tough game, proper game um, and it took a, a really, really good performance to come out on the right side of it. I thought we showed 
all the best bits of ourselves really at different stages of the game um, thought we played some really good football at times you say in, in very tough conditions um, we played some brave football and, and built through the pitch well and created some good opportunities from it scored two goals um, I thought our organisation to limit them you know certainly in free play in terms of the opportunities against was good and of course I think probably the biggest bit was the the commitment and the effort and the resilience shown um, again in difficult conditions against a good team was was absolutely outstanding so um, no very uh, very pleased and, and proud with what we uh, what we gave today today go on then Sue where do you want to start with this one kick us off with your your opening thoughts on what was in, was impressive back-to-back away wins yeah there were some similarities with with Millwall from a few days earlier I thought um in terms of Ipswich maybe giving away a few too many free kicks in, in the early stages. Um, dealing with those balls into the box, though, pretty well. When they got the first goal, you, you sense that maybe Swansea's confidence could dissipate as a team that's struggling a little bit. Then they go and get one back from, from a set piece, but thankfully Ipswich kind of snuffed out any belief quite quickly. And when that second goal went in... Um, that's when you started to see the home players kind of shrink a little bit. They started playing a few passes into touch and making some mistakes. And um, It wasn't quite the sort of second half cruise that we saw at, at Millwall because while the score was only, uh, you know, while there were only one goal in front, they always yeah. felt like there was a bit of jeopardy that it would take one moment, one ball into the box, one one kind bounce, one deflection, and Swansea might get back into it. And, and they, you know, they, they stuck at it to be fair to them. But um, again, Ipswich rolled their sleeves up and dug in. And uh, as Kieran said there in the clips, showed all sides to their game and uh, another really good defensive performance. Um, it's probably the two things that if we're reflecting on the two away games as a whole, it's the way they've, they've dug in and they've defended and uh, and they've seen some results over the line. Hmm. Rossi, clearly for part of the game, you were pitch side until you took cover. Kieran mentioned the conditions there, very, very difficult conditions. If you look at some of the pitches, you can barely see the players because of the rain. For people who weren't there, just how bad was it as, as a kind of conditions to play football in? It definitely got worse throughout the match. Um, because yeah, when we arrived, it weren't too bad. You know, it's a bit, you know, a bit spitting, a bit of drizzle. But about 30 minutes before kickoff, it just completely hammered it down. And I mm. was just thinking, oh God, this is gonna be a wet one. And um, it wasn't too wet for me, obviously. But um, for the players, dearie me, it um, it wasn't great. I know there was. Um, I spoke to some town fans at half time, and they said I didn't see. We didn't see the two town goals because mm. we couldn't see that far away because of the rain and everything and the conditions. But uh, yeah, the players were well. A lot of the players were all muddy and uh, very wet indeed. So uh, the conditions weren't great. And uh, I think we've got a clip coming up soon with Connor Chaplin. It was like playing in quicksand. Um, so yeah, play that. Exactly. Perfectly teed it up. Well done, Rossi. Ever the professional. Let's hear from Connor Chaplin, who, of course, got what turned out to be the winning goal. Connor, that's uh, two away wins in the last few days, and it's a big one here today. Yeah, really, really big win. Um, impressive performance. We had to grind it out at times. Um, really tough conditions on the pitch. Just the surface was nicer. The playing conditions were nice, but it was a really soft, soft pitch. Um, we had to get energy in the game. It, it wasn't easy on a pitch like that. I feel like you're running quicksand at times, but it was impressive from probably the whole squad. Um, that's what we pride ourselves on. It was a really, really impressive squad win. 
had to really dig deep at times, didn't you? There's a lot of kind of last sits defending, big tackles, lots of physicality in that game. Yeah, um, and that's what it's going to be away from home in these conditions. It's, it's going to take that, um, and I thought we showed that throughout the whole pitch. Um, people putting their bodies on the line and tackles, people defending the box really well, forwards getting back well and connecting on the edge of the box or in wide areas stopping crosses. I think we, we've really shown that throughout the whole team. And of course, you hear the voice of AJ, who's not with us this week. It's half term, uh, and as someone who's only just left school, he's used to having half term off. So that's where he is. Uh, that's where he is this week. Should we talk about the goals, Stewie? First of all, should we start with um, with Mr. Broadhead because he's making Ross look like a genius. Hmm. Nathan Broadhead, three three goals in three games, and he's he's looking back to back to his best. Um, and clearly, when you when you look at this goal, you also have to give high praise to Amari Hutchinson, who shows some real strength to slip Broadhead in, and then. Once Broadhead's in on goal, of course, that's what, it may look easy when you're when you're running down on goal, but you have a lot of time to think also in that scenario. And he came up with a what I'd describe as a beautifully dinked finish. Yeah. Just the keeper kind of flailing as it as it went over his shoulder. Uh, your thoughts, please. Yeah, to do that on the run is is quite mm. a bit of skill and takes takes some real confidence, doesn't it? And I think Nathan Broadhead, um, probably as is the nature of, of his style of player, is is a confidence player. And maybe that game against Norwich in mid-December knocked a little bit of that confidence. Yes, he got a goal in that game, but he could and probably should have walked off with the match ball that day, missed some big chances. And did that knock him for a little spell? I, I don't know. Things weren't quite coming off for him. Maybe he was trying too hard. He was, he was firing shots into defenders, maybe taking on dribbles when a pass was a better option. And... Uh, he just went without overplaying it. He just slightly went off the boil for a little stage, to, so much so that he, he started on the bench for a, for a couple of games at the start of 2024. The QPR one after Christmas was down to, to illness, so may, maybe a bit of a virus knocked something out of him as well. Um, but yeah, didn't didn't start the Leicester game away, didn't start the Preston game away, but he came on at Preston and made a real difference in that game while Ipswich were were pressing uh, for the equaliser, helped set up. Um, had a big big part in one of the goals where he, you know, trademark body swerve edge of the box and set up Davis who, who clipped the ball to Kiefer Moore and he's, he's just kicked on from there. And as you say, three goals in three games, all really good goals as well. The finish at the far post against West Brom was a, a difficult one where he talks mm. about not not knowing whether to go with his head or his or the volley. Um, obviously the deft header at Millwall in midweek. And um, yeah, this one to take that little bit of skill on and, and dink the goalkeeper as you as you're running through. Um, takes a bit of confidence and um, yeah, he looks like he's he's right back at it and that's really important for Ipswich because we've talked about them being a, a really sort of functional team. We've heard opposition managers talking about them having no star players, which sometimes gets uh, taken the wrong way, I think, from Ipswich fans. I think it's a compliment. Mm. Um, but uh, in Nathan Broadhead, they have got someone who's probably provides the biggest bit of X factor to this team, someone who can make something out of nothing and and you need that. So it's good to see him sort of hitting his straps again as, as we come into this final running. Absolutely. Uh, that's one big positive, Rossi, and you absolutely nailed it in our uh, rest of season predictions. Broadhead's coming right back into form. Obviously, a negative is that then Swansea get back on, on level terms. And uh, I note that a lot of people talking about Towns penchant for giving away free kicks in their own half and ending up with uh, with problems as a result. And that's what happened here. 
Yeah, obviously we had the same at Millwall, where, where there was loads of um, free kicks they got, and mm. uh, obviously Millwall they're they're known for their set pieces, and uh, you know Swansea they, they took it and and they then they they scored from it, and uh, once again in those conditions, I'm sure it's difficult to defend. You know, balls come balls coming into the box and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, Town struggled with that, and of course they they equalised through Jerry Yates, and yeah, they need to stop giving away some silly and soft free kicks. Obviously, not all the time they concede from that, but mm. at this time, sadly, it did. <clears> and it was 1-1. And at that stage, I thought, oh, Swansea got the momentum here. Thankfully, we stopped that momentum because we got the second goal. But um, yeah, we need to maybe something to look into because um, we can't keep doing this, you know, every game because, you know, it's going to bite us on the butt even more if, um, if we continue to do it. That was yeah. the only way Swansea were going to score in this game. Yeah. You know, I thought Ipswich limited them to next to nothing from open play. So, so much of their organisation and their structure and their defending was was absolutely spot on in this. It was only ever going to be a, a dead ball chucked into the box or, you know, a, a deep cross chucked into the box that was going to lead to a Swansea goal, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it was a Leif Davis foul that he got booked for. I think he'd got away with one a little bit earlier in the game that, that did lead to that. But... Um, yeah, it was, it was so so important that Ipswich got that that goal so quickly after that moment. And let's talk about that, Stu, because Lee Davis redeemed himself quite quickly. Um, I reckon all this chat about AI nowadays. I reckon if you said to AI, "Show me a trademark McKenna ball Ipswich Town goal," that is essentially what it would produce. Someone releasing Lee Davis down the left, Lee Davis hurtling towards the box, and then cutting it back to someone, usually Connor Chaplin, arriving and smacking it home. It was the peak McKenna ball goal, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It might, maybe that IA, AI situation might throw up Baskaf Hladke playing a short pass yeah. out the back and then building. Mm-hmm. On this occasion, it's a it's a Cameron Burr just peeing up the line. Um, I think it's an Ipswich free kick, actually, that Wolfenden just rolls square to his centre-half partner. And it's, uh, to call it a long ball up the line would do it a major disservice. Oh, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a proper pass, perfectly flighted into into the path of Davis. Brilliant first touch to kind of knock it into his path. And we talked about how maybe Keith, Kiefer Moore's presence would um, maybe lead to some more of these goals occurring, creating a bit more space for Connor Chaplin. And if you watch it back, Kiefer Moore makes a, a run towards the far post. One of the centre-halves goes, goes with him, expecting the little stood-up ball. And uh, Davis just rolls it back into the heart of the box. And, and there's that man, Connor Chaplin, to sweep home on the run. So um, I hoped I, I had Connor Chaplin down as the sort of top goal scorer in the second half of the season for that very reason. I thought there'd be some more goals. But I think we're starting to see with, with Broadhead scoring a few, with Chaplin scoring at the weekend. I think a lot of that comes down to sort of Kiefer Moore's presence, giving the number 10s a little bit more more mm. space to work with, hopefully. Mm, how nice is that pass, as, as you say, Stu, from, from Big Cam? Someone you, you forget started their career as a midfielder and then you see him do things like that. Tremendous. Rossi, um, Terry Hunt, one of our columnists, has written something this morning saying that there's two big reasons for him that Town are getting back into form. One is the aforementioned Kiefer Moore, who's obviously added a lot. The other one is the return of Cameron Burgess. Um, and although George Emerson clearly did a good job of filling in while he was away, Burgess seems to bring something extra. He's got that ability to to play those passes. Also, he's left-footed, of course, yeah. which maybe has a bit more balance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think even Kieran McKenna said that. I think Denise Stu and these presser saying he just bringing that left-side balance and um, mm. that ball was just, oh, 
beautiful from Karen Burgess. And uh, it, it, for some reason, has he got new tattoos? I don't know if you've seen that, or maybe he's had tattoos this whole time. I've just seen, I think I just saw a picture of him with, with like two tattoos on his, both his arms. And of course, he's shaved his head as well um, since uh, the Asian Cup, not the um, AFCON, of course. But um, but nah, he's he just he's, he's quality, isn't he? He's from where he was, you know, we've said this many times on the mm. podcast, from the Barrow game to what he's doing now in the championship is fantastic. And um, yeah, I think we were missing him. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Fridge was doing really well, but Burgess is just a bit different and he just adds that extra bit of quality with the left side, as we mentioned already. And um, since he's come in, since he's returned, we've been fantastic. And um, that partnership he's got with Wolfie is... It's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it continues. And, yeah, Karen Burgess is just solid. Yeah, we were we were concerned, weren't we, Stewie, about him going away to the Asian Cup and, and not playing that much and maybe coming back a bit deconditioned. But there's, there's not really been any sign of that so far. How much, how much of a boost do you reckon it's been having him back? Yeah, I, it's important to say how well George Edmondson hmm. has done, done in the side. And I don't think it's any knock on him at all. But I think George has been a bit unlucky that I think he is probably a better right-sided centre-half, but that slot's never really opened itself up up for him. Uh, whether we'll get to see him play alongside Burgess at some stage, that would be an interesting partnership. But Luke Wolfenden, after getting a bit of flack from the, the goal conceded against West Brom's, come back really strong um, and look good as well. So th- those two look the best central defensive partnership at the moment. The deconditioning thing from the Asian Cup maybe it's a little bit different for someone at centre half than it is, you know, for an all-action midfielder that's used to sort of running and being ultra fit. Um, yeah, Burgess' left-footed balance and also his his physicality, his aerial presence, I think, adds something for Ipswich um, that he. He typified Ipswich in the second half so many times. He he headed the ball away when it when it came into the box. He was like a magnet for the ball. So he was immense. But um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to pick out too many individuals because this was a, a proper team performance, as, as Connor Chaplin said in there, both offensively and, and defensively. I'm so pleased you said defensively, Stu, there, because that sets up the next clip perfectly, almost as if you knew, but you didn't know. But you set it up nicely. So clearly, Town 2 went up. Have to see the game out, show that defensive solidity that you'd like to see. Uh, and you spoke to McKenna about that afterwards as well. And you needed your goalkeeper to come up with, with a big save, as was the case earlier in the season. Um, with, with some big wins on the road, so and he's, he's come up with a big save at the end, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's good for him. I thought his all round performance was really good. Um, and yeah, we're not going to, you know, it's very unlikely we're going to win away from home without that, to be honest. You know, I think. It's easy to take for granted because we've we've done so well in terms of points, but this is still a big, big step for us to come to come to Swansea away from home, a good team. Um, it's still a really big step up for us, and you know I, I have to say I enjoyed that performance. I thought it was as good a performance as some of our you know second half of the season ones last year in League One, where we maybe won three nils against big football clubs. But you know the level that we're competing at now, that you know that performance. Um, or a similar level of performance today got us a hard fought two one win where we've had to you know show all the different attributes. So no, I thought it was an excellent performance, and of course we had to you know defend our goal well. Um, defenders and Vaz very much you know a part of that, um, but I think that's the the margins that we're going to have to keep fighting to come out on top of at this level. So as you say there, Stu, Vaz made a great save towards the end, didn't he? Off a, a deflection, fantastic reflex save. McKenna, they're comparing performance to some of those now kind of legendary 
wins on the road last season as they hurtled towards promotion. Got any feelings on that, Stewie? Yeah, it's a different level of football, isn't it? But mm. I think they'll will forever reference the Derby, Bolton, Peterborough, Barnsley on on the way to promotion, winning winning away from there. But yeah, those games ended in two nils and three nils, uh, a, a division higher. They're just uh, and Kieran used the phrase there, so I'm going to use it as well. Finer margins, um, and you need your goalkeeper to sometimes be the difference in those sort of games. And and Vaz was at the end. Ipswich deserved to see that over the line. That would have been a travesty had they conceded, but um, they needed him there to make a fine reaction save. And it was similar to the very early stages of the season when Ipswich won at Sunderland and were holding on at the end Mm. and QPR where they needed Vaz to make some big saves before Chaplin's winner. And um, there's plenty of other away matches in there that you could use as a comparison as well. So, it just shows you that Ipswich are competing at their absolute maximum. I think he's wringing every last drop out of this team. And we've talked about all elements of their game needing to fall in place um, to win football matches, certainly away from home in the championship. But it's remarkable how consistently they're able to squeeze those every last drop out of the team. Uh, it needs them to be clinical. It needs them to be able to defend. It needs the goalkeeper to come up with moments. Um, so, yeah, just like Watford and Middlesbrough away in the space of a few days uh, earlier in the season, it's it's a massive week with six points from, from two away games. And I keep saying it, don't get blasé about it. Don't take it for granted because that th- this is massive. That's not normal for teams to be able to, to go and do that. Mm. Stewie, I know, by the way, we, we spoke about game state seeping into your vernacular. It's definitely McKenna. I know his game state was in one of his quotes over the weekend. So that's where it's come from. You just absorb it via osmosis and, and then it, it comes into, into, your, into your language. Rossi, speak to me about Connor Chaplin, because we've got a clip uh, about him hitting both 10 goals for the season and also 50 goals already for Ipswich Town. Um, you obviously you you spent a bit of time around Connor. Can you give it a little insight into because he seems to be a ruddy, bloody, ruddy nice bloke. First of all, absolutely loves football. We know he's a student of the game. Uh, and can you talk about him as a player as well and what he, what he's brought to town in the time he's been here? He's been he's been one of the main cogs in this machine, isn't he? In terms of you know when he first signed, I think mm. everyone was because he was dropping down from league uh, from the championship. He, he got into the playoffs of Barnsley the season before, of course, reunited with Paul Cook and. Um, I don't think he's ever looked back and he he, he loves the club, <laughs> you know, the players, the fans love him. He is our number 10 and um, 50 goals is a fantastic achievement. There's not been many town players who have hit 50 goals. I think and, only like um, 20, I want to say 23 in the club's yeah, history who've got that title, which you consider how long Ipswich Town's been around. That's, uh, that's fairly incredible, isn't it? Very. And uh, he's just a player. I just love watching him play. You know, he gets in those positions. He just, I don't know, I don't know how, as we've mentioned before, I don't know how some defenders don't pick him up because he just mm. somehow gets in that space and they think, how has he got into that space? And I love that goal um, on Saturday because just it was a trademark Connor Chaplin goal. But he just, with venom, how he hit it, just went boom. And then, you know, he loves scoring goals and he celebrates as he normally does. Um, but he's just a, a top lad, you know, from from a player to even a, as a person. He seems just, you know, he's a trustee for the foundation. Um, and I think he gives a lot of time up for, for fans if, you know, if he wants to uh, get uh, interviews or just pictures, selfies and stuff like that. 
Um, obviously, he celebrated his 27th birthday on Friday as well. So I'm sure that was a mm. nice weekend to, you know, celebrate a new birthday and also um, score his 50th goal for the club. And he's 10th for the season. So he, he must be happy about that as well. To score 10 goals this season in the championship, um, make that step up again. So um, overall, top man. And he'll be remembered. I think he'll be one of those icons through, you know, through, you know, we're, that's another discussion in about legends, icons, fans, mm. favourites, cult heroes. He's definitely up there. Yeah, let's hear from him and they're going to ask you about him as well, Stu. Yeah, it's always nice to, to hit sort of little landmarks throughout the season. Ten goals is, is one that um, I'm happy with so far at this point in, in time. Um, I haven't scored as much as I would have liked to recently, but go through patches like that, it's, it's always going to happen. Um, can't expect to score every sort of couple of games. It's not as easy as that, especially in a division like this, playing against players that we are. I love playing for this football club. It's probably the most I've ever enjoyed being at a football club. I've... I love everything about it. I love the, I love the town. I love the fans. I love the players that I'm playing with, the coach and staff. It's it's a place that I really feel at home. Um, and yeah, to to score 50 goals is is a really proud moment. Um, but I want more. I, I always want more. It's, it's something that probably spurs me on to to get even more now. Is um, just keep going, um, keep trying to make a difference for the team, keep trying to work hard, um, and just really be a, be a good teammate. I think it's a, a big thing. I think. We talk a lot about the the sort of players that town have in terms of their character and their and their um kind of uh, what's the word their ethos and approach. Um, we know Connor Chaplin loves football. Uh, he's part of the foundation as well. I mean, I, I'm led to believe speaking to to people who work at the foundation, he, he goes to all the meetings there. It's not something you know that he has to do, but he feels he wants to be there. Even when his his missus was on the on the point of giving birth, he didn't miss a meeting. Um, and the leadership group, obviously, of, of the players that McKenna references. How important do you think Chaplin is to town, Stewie? Uh, massively, yeah. We talk about needing multiple captains within a mm. dressing room, multiple leaders. Sam Morsi obviously is the captain and is a driving force behind the scenes, but Connor Chaplin is is one of several others that are part of a leadership group. This is a group that are all starting to look at coaching badges, lots of them. Um, I know you joke about me sort of picking up things via osmosis from from the manager. I think it's the same of, of the players as well. Mm. It's the culture that yeah. he's created. You hear them talk. They they do sound like the manager and they genuinely believe in into his kind of calm, methodical methods and trusting in the process, which has become a bit of a, a cliche within football these days. But I, I do think it's working within Ipswich in terms of getting them to to block out external noise, not worry too much about the table and what other people are doing. There is just this kind of daily improvement culture. Like, Don't worry about anything else. As long as we come into work each day and we try and better ourselves and, and be better people and better players, um, then the rest will look after itself. And uh, I think Connor Chaplin, hearing him talk there, kind of epitomises that. There's so many of them that do. Mm. Right then. So Town Hold on, they get the win, keeping on the pressure on, on the top three, of course, who all... Um, got results over the weekend, apart from Leicester, who uh, who had a, su- a surprise defeat. But you spoke to Kieran after the game, Stuart, which I thought was really interesting insight about the psychology of chasing those sides who continue on their uh, ridiculous pace. I mean, an insight, you look at the last season, Ipswich Town have got 66 points. Last season, 69 points got you into the playoffs. So it's just a sign of what ridiculous kind of season this is. Um, but let's hear from McKenna about that. I believe it's the best way. So if, if maybe easier for us to compare with la- last year in League One, it was still our approach. 
um, to you know not talk too much about points totals or we need to win two in the next three games or anything like that. Our approach last season when we were one of the well we were I think the most dominant team in the league uh, was to just focus on our performances and we didn't speak too much about um, the other teams really or, or the points that we would need. Um, and I think that was good because normally, you know, if if you did that, if you focused on points totals and you focused on, you know, what people would typically tell you you need, then it would have been 90 points for promotion last year. And in the end, we needed 98 points to get promoted and Sheffield Wednesday missed out on 96 points. Again, if we spent much time on it this year and people would probably say if you got 90 points, you'd get promoted from the championship. I'd be pretty certain that's not going to do it this year. Um so yeah, I think look, I think our position's a little bit different than the other teams that we're competing with this year. I know last year, as much as we never mentioned it with a player, I was more conscious of Plymouth's results, of Sheffield Wednesday's results. You took more glances at the table. I can honestly say this year, you know, Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, we know we're competing against three of the strongest teams in the history of the championship that are abnormally strong <coughs> for this level. And we know that there's, you know, certainly internally zero pressure on ourselves. And we're just enjoying enjoying the season, enjoying each game as it comes, and, and certainly aren't gonna spend any time, um, you know, worrying about uh, about the, those teams. I love that line, zero pressure on ourselves. But friends, are we gonna move on to something a bit different now? Because I've I've arranged a little surprise uh, for the boys and also the rest of you. Uh, the boys can see who it is, which is why they're grinning. Friends, he became a very popular part of the show. Um, you knew him by many, many names. The Big Porker, the Grand Poor Sign, Mike Bacon. These days, however, he goes by Michael Bacon because he's just about to release his second book. And I thought now would be the perfect time to get him back on the pod. I know a lot of you asked if you can, we can get the Big Porker back. He's duly back and I'm going to bring him in now, friends. Let's say hello to Michael Bacon. Ah, hey. Ethan. <laughs> well, well, how lovely to be back. Uh, Michael Bacon, author now, of course. Um, so that's uh, like, hello, Stewie. How are you, my friend? Is, uh, hello, mate. Yeah, thank you. A nice surprise. Yeah. Thank you very much. And Roscoe, uh, <laughs> nice to see you. Haven't seen you for ages. How are you? Well, well, good to see you, my friend. Yes, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Heathy. Thank you so much for coming, uh, allowing me on. Um, um, last time I was here, actually, I think Town were like fifth in League One. So it's uh, it's great that, uh, you know, we're in a different position now. As soon as I left, um, everything went um, sort of in a straight line up, which is you know, coincidence or not. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me back. Nice, nice to be here. Now, Mike, obviously, I've got you back because A, the people want you. The, give the people what they want is the, the ethos of this pod. Um, and you've taken that as well. You, you're giving the people more of yourself. So uh, when you were last on the pod, we talked quite a lot about your, your debut novel, 38 Sleeps, still in, I assume, conversation with Netflix about dramatising that one. Um, yes. But since you've been away, you've penned another one, friend. Mm. So do you want to tell us all about it? I've got a little... I saw you might have a copy of it, but I also got the, uh, the covers just to flash up here. Look, because... The covers are brilliant, mate. I've got to say, this is this yes. is your two novels. Sorry, Ross, it doesn't fill the screen, but I didn't want to spoil the surprise. So you've got 38 Sleeps there on the right, people uh, not, not watching. Uh, and then Deceive Me, which is the new one, um, which looks, mate, I mean, they say never judge a book by its cover, but I'm judging that book by its cover. It looks brilliant. Tell us all about it. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I will be happy to. Um, don't judge a book by cover by its cover is, of course, very true. And um, don't judge a book by this cover because inside it's absolutely it's a tale. It's a tale of well, it's a it's a tale of 
deceit, obviously. It's mm -hmm. a tale of there's a bit of a murder, a bit of violence, and, and rather racy as well, if you don't mind me saying. I'm like, a little bit more racy than the last one, which I know some of the fans will, will be delighted to hear. Um, it's basically about, it's a two-way story. It's a, it's, a, it's a guy called Jack who um, lives in London, uh, yeah. living a bit of a high life, um, to say the least. Um, you know, so he's enjoying himself in London. And it's all about his uh, his time in London and how he gets on. He's let's say he's a bit of a naughty boy and he makes quite a few enemies. That's all I'll say, as well as plenty of friends. But to most of his friends are female, most of his enemies are male. Um, we'll leave it at that. Hundred miles, I suppose, west of London in the Cotswolds, the quiet, idyllic Cotswolds, mm -hmm. which uh, it's a lovely place. The Cotswolds. You haven't been on holiday there, Roscoe? You should go there. You'd, you'd like the Cotswolds. Very nice. Um, a couple, Sean and Katie Walters, uh, own a bookshop quiet away from all the ho-ha of London going about their lives well without giving too much away their worlds collide Jack and the couple's worlds collide through skullduggery oh what a word thank you thank you I like that word too their worlds collide and um and it ends being all really rather dramatic and with another good twist at the end which I hope you're all gonna like um so that really is roughly it, but there's a lot more to it than that. But I just want to, I don't want to give too much away, you see, uh, Heath, because obviously, you know, if I do, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm, you know, what can I do? Exactly. So, so it's not related to the first one, is it? It's a completely standalone. It is story. a standalone book. Yes. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of people said to me, because if you, if you read the first one, which I know you three all did, didn't you, Roscoe? I did. Ros Stu, Stu, Stu's been very vociferous in his praise of the first one. I'm, I'm assuming he's 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 uh, champing at the bit to get his hands on the second one. Absolutely. But it isn't a follow-up to that, no, because I want to do something completely different. A lot of people ask me if I was going to do a follow-up because it did end a little bit uh, open, to say the least, mm -hmm. in my last book, um, where there could easily have been a follow-up. But no, this is a completely new, completely new story, completely new characters. And uh, yeah, I'm really thrilled with that. I'm thrilled with the cover. I have actually, the books are actually, they're only really just coming out as we speak. I managed to get a cover of the cover, if you've seen as you've seen before. Yeah. You, you, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the cover itself... Um, it's obviously a skyline of London because that's where Jack is based. That's where a lot of his, you know, goes on a lot of nightclub stuff and all that sort of thing goes on in London. And um, yeah, so uh, I, I actually had some ideas that myself. I cut 38 sleeps. I will put my hand up and say I had absolutely no idea. And mm. I left it to the publishing company to come up with a cover, um, which they did. This one, though, I had it like I'd like a, a London sort of drop background drop. Um, and they did the rest. So, yeah. There Where do you get the I always want I always fascinated by creativity and where people get ideas from and they always say write about what you know mike so have you spent the last year being a naughty boy in london to do some research yeah. is that where it's come from <laughs> i think it does prove that i haven't read anything about football so it's all, <laughs> it shows you it's best, best not to write about stuff you're not quite sure of so football's never on the agenda um yeah. i tend to just write um, well people have i mean I've, I've loved this podcast for years obviously and watched it grow into the um, into the wonderful podcast that still is today. And as I've, as we've always talked about, I mean, I, I literally, I do speak from the heart and I write from the heart a little bit. I write as I go along. I don't over plan. Well, Heath, you've worked with me long enough. Do I plan much? <laughs> no. Uh, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're very no. much a uh, heart on the sleeve, that kind of vibe, which I, I like. I'm a bit off the, a bit off the, I just sort of yeah. go with stuff. So I tend to write as I'm going along. I really, I don't have a huge plan. It just literally... It literally just flows. I have some ideas and then the ideas come and I do chat. I, I usually write one chapter at a time, sometimes only one chapter a week, might be one every two weeks. I don't write. I, I have a look. When I'm going for a little stroll down to the pub, 
I might think about what I'm going to write next. When I'm sitting there with my half a Guinness and pack yeah. of knobby nuts, I think to myself, how am I going to develop my story? Um, and when I'm sitting there on my little iPhone, you know, watching the watching the Super Blues banging in another goal, you know, with Stewie's tweets, goal, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just, I'm, I'm away with the world, you know. And in between, I'm also thinking Roscoe's probably standing there, sitting there on the touchline. He's missed that goal as well, but never mind. Um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so a lot of thinking goes on, you know, all the time. And um, yeah, so I, 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 I plan, but I plan quite I don't overplan, you know me. Freestyle by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, Mike, since you since you've last joined us, um, obviously mm. you started the trend of producing books um as, as a sideline, a side hustle. Uh mm. and now another one of our number has got a book on the way. I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Stuart Watson about to join you in the published author category. Um, Jason Dezel's autobiography coming out. I assume like a proud parent, you were delighted to hear that. And have you got any any advice for him? as a published author yourself. I love the proud parent thing. Very good. Um, I, I did know he's got Jason Dazelle book coming yeah. out. Yes, I saw it. I mean, I'm thrilled. For, I'm thrilled. I'm really looking forward to reading it. I mean, it'll be... I, Stu, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Stu writes this. He's a great writer. He, he, I mean, I'm not just saying it because he's here. Well, I am. No, I'm not really. He's a great writer, and I'm, I'm going to really enjoy reading this because he can he can write really, really well. He's going to, and Jason's so popular, such a popular local guy. I mean, and what a, I mean, the thing is, what a story he's got, you know, from where he, you know, just live around the corner, a bit like Kieran, you know, what a story Jason Dazelle's got. Mm. Um, so um, that book is going to be massive, I'm sure. Ipswich Town fans are going to absolutely love it. Um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, just what you got to do, Stu, though, you must, you must promote yourself. I write like billboards, billboards of your face, you know, with a the book in the, in, you know, as I drive into the Ipswich town centre, I want, that's what I want to see, you know, um, stuff like that. I want TV appearances, um, you know, radio, everything. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Stu, Rossi, have you got any, any questions for uh, for for Mike? Obviously, I didn't want to tell you he was coming on because I wanted the genuine surprise. Um, <laughs> but Stu, have you, have you got any uh, anything to say to Mike uh, since we I, last saw him on this vehicle? I think Mike's doing himself a disservice there about not planning his book. Um, that, that plot line in the first book developed quite nicely. There's some nice little twists and turns along the way that you don't see coming and it all comes together. So... You, you're not you're not telling me you hadn't sat down and sort of planned planned that plot out a little bit, Mike. That can't have just all been off the cuff as you went along. Well, I suppose. Well, I suppose in your head you think of how you'd like it all to develop, but it, it it tends to take its course as you go along. I mean, you you know, I think when you're writing fiction, which of course I'm, so I can let myself just go. I just write what I like, really. You know, which is a bit like how I was with a lot of my speedway reports. You know, um, you know, it's just yeah. you just sort of do what you want. You just do what you want. So no, it's got to be an element of planning. Of course, I have got some ideas about characters and stuff, but overall, I tend to do just write, and then I, I think of the next chapter. I, I tend to spend. I spend time in between chapters. That's the secret, I think. I don't just start writing loads of all at all at once. Is it? Are you um a th- would you describe them as thrillers? Is it is this like a Harlan Coburn style twists and turns all over the gaff? That kind of book, Mike? Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of a suspense thriller. I mean, you don't I like yeah. to think people don't quite know what's coming around the corner. That's the idea of it. The idea is that you read you read them. I try to keep the chapters short as well, because I know most most if any like me, I'm, I'm, my attention span is like like 20 seconds. So I mean one, I mean Roscoe's probably the same. I mean, you've got to have a, you know, your chat if your chapter's more than three pages, you're absolutely knackered, you know. I mean, I, I sometimes go through a book, oh my god, I've got like eight pages to go to finish this chapter. I can't I can't go to sleep yet, and I just throw it in my head. So my chapter's quite short, short and sweet. Um 
And yeah, I mean, yeah, th there are twists. It's it, the idea is it's a thriller, suspense thriller. Um, and I like to think the characters are quite strong as well. I, I like the, I like the, the Jack characters. Obviously, is a bit of a character, but there are other characters in it as well who are equally as as, as dominant and um, and hopefully interesting. I hope I hope Ipswich Town fans uh, enjoy it. I've already had some great you know people people contact me and stuff, and lots of orders have already gone in, which is is terrific. So um, yeah, thank. And of course, I'm on here. I'm on here now, which is like just just wonderful well, to be back. Global reach, mate. Um, how how can people get their hands on Deceive Me? Well, it's on Amazon. So yeah. if you just typed in Amazon, is it out now? Me, or is it on pre-order? It's there now. No, I've pre yeah. no, it's it's there now. It was actually went, went up. Yes, it went up two days ago. So it's Deceive Me, Michael Bacon, uh, Michael Bacon book. You'll you'll come across it, and uh, it's there. I've even had, I've had a little 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 bio about myself. Stuart. Oh, nice. You'll like this. Yes, it's quite nice. It's, it's um, I didn't realize I was so good. You know, when I wrote it. Um, you, you have to do I this did, as well, I, wouldn't you, Stu? Would you, I, would you get a little uh, Stuart Watson lives in Suffolk with his, his wife and daughter? That well, kind that's of thing? what I'd like to think you. Yeah. Uh, there might be a sentence in there. It's, oh, is, he's so it's a little bit different with Mike. This is Jason's <laughs> book. This is Jason's <laughs> yeah. story. I'm just I'm just helping helping him pull it together. So bit of a different different process, I think, for Mike writing sort of fiction and me me pulling together a life story, which is a little bit a, a completely different process, I guess, with Having to go sort of deep into the research and and making sure it's the it's the the subject's voice coming through and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I, I can't wait to get my hands on Mike's. Looking forward to that. What was the move towards Michael Bacon? I mean, obviously it sounds very authoritative, but as far as I know, Mike, the only person who called you Michael was your missus when she was angry with you. Hmm. So, uh, is that explain? Well, that's, the that's, process. that's the that's the reason, really. Um, yeah. No, no, I, I don't know why. I did I did go to. I just wanted to go away from. Mike Bacon, the journalist, sports writer, and I've just gone into Michael Bacon, the author. It's it's some people have said, well, if you keep tapping Mike Bacon, you tend to find me more than you do Michael. But I, mm. but I'm going to build on that. And I, when the next Netflix film is out, obviously everyone will know me then. Um, but you know, that's um, that's for the did, future. Um, did you ever no, think just, about going for a, for an alias, just coming up with a complete new name for a non de plume writing? Yeah, non de plume. Yeah. yeah, like the big porker. And only, yeah. only you know. <laughs> <laughs> receive me the big porker the people, big porker god the latest big porker <laughs> <laughs> yeah people in the country wondering who the hell is that but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really stew no i didn't i didn't um i didn't really think but, but on the subject of books i'm glad young stew has, has written a book i think that's wonderful and i'm looking forward to that that's uh yeah because um it's, it's a big thing to write an autobiography i suppose it's obviously an autobiography sort of thing of, of jason's career or whatever up to now and yeah I think uh, I think when I write a book, I'll I'll use a nom de plume. I'll call myself J.K. Rowling. Clever, get an audience. Yeah, <laughs> Rossi, if you miss if you miss Mike, you've you've been you've been silenced into a, a an awed hush. I just I just loved it. Just loved it. It's good to see you back, Michael Bacon. Um, I'm wait, still waiting for my signed copy of your first book, and I'm hoping mm. to get another signed copy of this book. So um, I don't know if it got lost in a post or anything. Mm. No, I'm still probably waiting for those pictures you were going to send me of Christian Walden. I think back about two years ago when he signed for Ipswich, and I wanted them by twelve o'clock, and I still haven't got them yet. So probably on the uh, probably on they'll probably cross each other's paths. Roscoe, I'm yes. really pleased to see you, my friend. Um, it's, it's nice to see, you, and I do follow all your. See, I follow all the boys, what they're up to. I follow all your stuff and bits and bobs. You're doing some great stuff, my friend. I that, I could mention about cars, but I don't know if I dare. Is it not? <laughs> should I not? But not mention I haven't followed everything. We've not spoken about it for a while, actually. Uh -oh. I mean, it was your New Year's resolution. We're now coming towards the end of February. Have we had? Have we had another theory test yet, Ross? 
it's booked this uh, this month. So the standard twin, refrain. I'm going to tell you, it's 29th. 29th is my February. Leap year. Leap year this oh. year, isn't it? So lucky for that be the yeah. And then you've just got to pass the actual test once you pass the. Yeah, test. that's that's the big thing. Yeah, <laughs> baby steps. Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll maybe be able to do something with you bookwise to maybe give 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 some away to as a as a competition. Absolutely. Um, I can't. We can't have you on this Ipswich Town podcast though without asking you about Ipswich Town. Of course, I know you've been um, watching Town because they're they're basically on TV pretty much every week at the moment. Mm-hmm. What have you made of um, the the remarkable rise of Ipswich Town since, as you say, when when you left, they were. Not struggling, but um, it looked like they were making heavy weather, perhaps, of, of a promotion push. Then they went on a ridiculous run, got promoted off the back of a 19-game unbeaten run. And now, of course, they're completely shocking the championship and, and turning on its head, doing what they, they really shouldn't be doing. Um, what have you made of, of the Blues in the, in the past few months? Well, you're right. I mean, luckily they have been they have been on telly quite a lot. So I have seen more of them than, than you know, I've seen a lot of them, which is it's. Uh... It's a fantastic time to be an Ipswich Town fan. I mean, let's let's just not gloss over this, how important and how exciting it is to be an Ipswich Town fan. I mean, the, you know, the team are going places all around the country, beating top championship sides. I mean, let's be honest, when they, they thrashed Exeter and got out into the championship, most town fans would have settled for being 10th to 12th, 13th, 14th next year and just staying in the championship. This has been a terrific season. It reminds me so much of, of previous top seasons like, you, you know, um, you know, when Ipswich were in the Premier League with, with George Burley, where they were just hoped they could stay in there and they're not finishing fifth. Um, but this, what Kieran McKenna is doing here is outstanding. And the, the fan base, I mean, God, fans they're taking, you know, it's a, a way grounds. It's just outstanding. I love to think they'll finish top two. Um, and I don't think it's out of the question. I really don't. I, I'm, you know, I know a lot of other fans, Leeds and South fans jumping up and down. We've caught you up and all this, that and the other. But this Ipswich team seemed to have a lot about them. I like the new signing, Al Hamadi. I, I, I can't say his name right. Al Hamadi. Al Hamadi. There you go. Al I like, like the look of him. I think he's a yeah. great asset to the club going forward. Um, but McKenna continues to just impress, doesn't he? And the team, you can see they're all playing for him. They play, they play some great football. I mean, it's it's. I mean, these two wins over the last week, for instance, I mean, these are just... these. these if you're going to be in the top six, these are the things you do. You go to Millwall. You know, you go to Swansea and just beat them. You know, you it, these are the things you do. I know they've got home games coming up now and suddenly we're going to expect six points the next week. That's, there's no doubt. The next five days, town fans, all six points. Hmm. This is the championship we're playing here. Town haven't signed tons of new players. You know, they've, they've gone up pretty well with the League One squad that was playing the League One. And it's outstanding. And, and town fans, I hope that, I, I know they're enjoying it because their support is extraordinary. And, um, and it's just fant- fantastic to enjoy all this. Where it will lead, I mean, obviously the playoffs are pretty well nailed on, but you know the promotion's got. You know, there's some. What I think Leeds got to play Southampton, and Leeds got to play Leicester, and you know, there's we've got to play Southampton, and there's a lot of points up for grabs. But yeah, I like the, I like what's going on. I, I'm thrilled for the town. I think it's just brilliant. God, it seems a mar. How three or four seasons ago, sitting at Porton Road, I, I remember I used to read my program after about 15 minutes as after <laughs> the dar football was being ponted around, and now suddenly here we are, and it's. Terrific, fantastic, excellent, Mike. Has there ever been a uh, a thriller, a suspense thriller, murder mystery style esque book involving the dual worlds of football and speedway? Because that might be a niche in the market for you for your, your third tome. I think it could be. I mean, you're absolutely right. But um, I think there's a there is a sports book in me, 
Um, but yeah. the trouble is, I think people are probably so bored of my Speedway and uh, football reports <laughs> that probably a book would really push them too far, to be honest. So I try to get away from from writing about um, stuff that I'm supposed to know about because, you know, it's best I, I just write stuff I sort of make up, really. It's it's far easier, Stu. You ought to try it, to be honest. I mean, just 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 write stuff, just make it up. I mean, it's a lot, I'm finding it a lot easier than actually having to do hard-nosed, ma- ma- you know, like your, your five observations. Just just one day, just write absolutely, absolute, just make them all up. But then people really think, well, what earth are you on about? I, I'm finding it a lot easier. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we'll, we'll let you go now because we've got to speak about uh, about town playing Rotherham tomorrow night. Um, final words then, friends. So Deceive Me is the book out now on Amazon. Um, what else do you want to say before you head off? Well, just want to say it's nice to see you all. Thank you very much for inviting me on the pod. I mean, obviously the KOA pod, big, big pod. It's still thoroughly enjoy it. Glad to see the town fans enjoying it as well. Um, I'm predicting uh, 4-0 tomorrow, Roscoe, uh, for town. Yeah, 4-0. So, um, and uh, no, thank you, everybody. And thanks to those who have already bought the book and those who support me if they do. But I do appreciate it. It's really kind of you. And uh, yeah, well, good luck to everybody. It's nice to see you again. Look forward to the Jason Dezel book, Young Stew. There we go. Who would have thought, eh? Kings of Anglia producing books. That'd be three books under the Kings of Anglia's uh, wing by the time the Zell book hits the streets. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to see you. Um, thanks, mate. Always good to have you on the podcast. Uh, and best of luck with the book. And hopefully, who knows, we'll get you back on when the, when the third one comes around. Or indeed, when you sign that Netflix deal and we'll, we'll I'll start pitching to be your publicist or something like that. Um, thank and, you so much, and mate. Ta- and town will be in the Premier League by the time I of come course. back next time. Absolutely. See you soon. Cheers, Mike. See you, mate. Yeah, bye bye. There we go, then, boys. What did you What did you make of that? I'm just so pleased he did the Rosco thing. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it as good as him. So yeah, that was great. Did you enjoy that surprise? I was building. I was. I was trying to hit the hit the uh, hit the timing. So we'd we'd, we'd finish talking about Swansea because I knew what time roughly Mike was going to appear. Um, Stu, always good to Perfect. see Mike. Great to see Mike. Yeah, brings brings some energy to this, doesn't he? Absolutely. Uh, I, I miss a Mike Bacon intro. I really do. <laughs> Roscoe. Um, so there we go, friends. That was Mike Bacon. I hope you uh, you enjoyed hearing from him. Deceive Me is his new book. Out now. Um, get it on Amazon. From fiction to fact, Stu, we have to now talk about Rotherham. Unless there's anything else you want to you mention from Swansea, because we did just have to cut that a little bit short there from Kieran's chat around the, the race for the top two. Um... What can I say more from Swansea? I, you know, we're talking about them all coming off caked in mud at the end of the game because yeah. of the wet conditions. That was true of of Morsi and Luongo who were getting down and dirty in the trenches and smashing into tackles and doing all of that. It's often said that a good centre-half should come off not covered in mud because they're not throwing themselves in the way of things. They're reading the game. They're making interceptions. They're winning headers. I looked at Cameron Burgess and Luke Wolfenden shorts when they came off bright white still, despite really? those uh, yeah, yeah, despite those conditions. And that says to me how well Ipswich defended from open play, how well they did the, the basics of defending. One lots of headers, stepped in, made interceptions. There wasn't there wasn't lots of body on the line defending going on inside the penalty box. So um yeah, I, we say that sort of titles uh, you know, attacks win matches, but defences win titles or however you want to word it. And uh, we've talked about Ipswich conceding too many goals and maybe that being the thing that, that holds them back. The way they've defended in these last two games is, uh, has given me uh, real cause for encouragement as we head into these, what, final 14 games now? 
Mm, the term you're looking for there, Stu, is defense wins championships. Is the uh, no, it's not. Ross, <laughs> well, anything else from Swansea before you find it's to... pronounced defense? Ross, <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else to mention before we move on to reeking Rotherham? I want to give a shout out to the Swansea media woman or who serve us the food. She was a very nice lady. She was. Oh, I saw that on game day. You were very taken with yeah, her, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Just very nice, very nice lady. And she just sorted us out with the food, a bit of pork, a bit of pork. And of course, we had the big porker on. So that was yeah. sort of things up. Um, but no. Yeah. And um, I hope I actually dropped a Sprite and I put it back in the fridge. So I'm hoping <laughs> no one picked that up and uh, boom. So, um, but yeah, but no, a good win away from home. Um, we've, we've seen a lot of these, haven't we, this season? And this was a bit different, this this one. It wasn't like the Millwall game and, say, Southampton or Middlesbrough. This felt a bit different, and it was another memorable away day as my voice cracked there. But, um, but no, it was a good day, and um, oh, my God, it happened again. <laughs> Move on to Rotherham. Brilliant away support as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're talking about the distances covered. Best part of 3,000 again there in South Wales. Obviously, Ipswich have fans all over the country, but a, a sizable number of those would have been on, on coaches and making their own journeys through, through car and rail. Um, yeah, big, big support. And I think the players don't uh, take that for granted as well. That's, that's making a real difference, um, mm. especially in these away games. Right. So two big back-to-back away wins in the pocket in different styles. And you look at it on paper, they now can make it three from three by hosting Rotherham tomorrow night. Rock bottom Rotherham. Um, I mean, without being too unkind to them, they've, they've lost four in a row. The last win was on Boxing Day, and that's one of only three wins they've had all season. So I know football's not played on paper, but Town would certainly have to start this game as heavy favourites, Stewie. Um, this is just a brilliant opportunity, isn't it? We spoke about this whole run being a great opportunity to really build momentum. They've, they've got two wins under their belt. This is a great opportunity to, to make it three in a row. Mm, yeah, my 10, 10 game unbeaten streak hot take is is on with three Very in healthy, yeah. to that now. Um you mentioned Rotherham's overall record. They're they're bottom and, and they're they're going down, it's pretty mm-hmm. clear. Their away record is even worse. They've played fifteen games away from home, haven't won a single one of them, four draws, eleven defeats, con- uh, scored only nine goals in those fifteen games and conceded thirty-seven. So wow. as Ipswich found at the New York Stadium earlier in the season. That can be an awkward place to go. They can be an awkward style of team to face. Um, That was just sort of chaotic ball after ball into the box. And we've talked about if there is one slight Achilles heel about this Ipswich side, it is that kind of in-your-face chaotic approach. Um, It was was the same week, wasn't it, where they had to come from two goals down at Birmingham. We've now got the reverse of those two fixtures here, here at Portman Road. So the fact that Ipswich only took a point apiece from those two games is a reminder that there's no easy games, but I think it's a different story at Portman Road in front of a a packed stadium, their own fans feeling good about themselves after a couple of wins. Um, Heavy, heavy favourites for this one. Um, I looked at the the odd points that Rotherham have snatched on the road. Uh, There's one that jumps off the page. They got a 1-1 draw at Southampton back in October, but uh, looking back at the reports of that game, Victor Johansson, their goalkeeper, was man of the match and pulled off Mm. a a ton of saves. When they drew 1-1 at Middlesbrough, I think that was a few days before Middlesbrough had their League Cup semi-final against Chelsea, so there was a little bit of a caveat there as well. Um, 
you, you would hope and think that Ipswich have got the uh, the confidence, the momentum, the squad depth as well. If they want to do some rotating players to come off the bench to uh, to have more than enough to win this game. Rossi, last season, and it feels like maybe this is kind of a, a throwback game to last season. We talked about the games that Town may find toughest are the home games against the sides that are really struggling. Um, I'm not going to come with any sort of ambition. I'm just going to shut up shop and say, come and break us down. Is there any kind of feeling for you that might be potentially how this game plays out tomorrow? You look at it on paper and you think, oh, three or four nil to town all day long, maybe even more. Um, but we have seen in the past sometimes that town maybe did struggle with sides that, that basically just came to shut up shop. When you see the name Rotherham United, you sort of worry, don't you? Um, but they're a completely different team now. You know, mm. they've got Liam Richardson as the manager. You know, Paul Warney's gone many, many years ago now. He's gone. You know, they had Matt Taylor when we played him back in November. And um, obviously we drew that game, didn't they? They scored a late equaliser to get a point. And um, yeah, back in League One, when we played teams like Rotherham, we'll probably lose it. But now we're a, a different team. And from what I hear, I think Rotherham are very different team under Liam Richardson and yeah their away record I'll just quickly look now they they didn't win a single away game in 2023 their last win away from home was back in November 2022 wow. which is not so uh their away fans um I bet they don't enjoy going to games and especially going to Port Road where we're current form we're in um but no I, I don't worry about these games now because they're just we're a different team to what mm. we were you know a few years back um so really for me I want to see goals I want us to make a really big statement win get that goal difference up but um, anything can happen on the night of course but uh, yeah Rotherham aren't looking great are they I think their record of getting relegated was 23 points they've actually got the championship record of the least points of a relegation team they got 19 at the moment so I think they'll they'll beat that record or they'll go away from that record because they're Mm. sure they're going to have four points in the next 14 games but uh, they're in deep deep trouble yeah, they are down, as you say, 14 points off uh, off safety. Stu, you mentioned they're rotating the team. Obviously, games are coming thick and fast. Is there anything that you think that McKenna might be looking at doing? We've seen Amari Hutchinson the last couple of games with, with Chaplin and, and Burns dipping out. Yeah, I think there'll be some freshening up. I thought there was fewer changes than I was anticipating at Swansea, to be honest. Only um, a few days on from a Wednesday night game at Millwall, I thought someone like or players like Luongo and Broadhead seem, seem to be ones that... Uh, Broadhead's certainly one that's kind of been dipped out during the rotation periods, maybe not as robust mm. physically as some of the others. Luongo, that I, I thought there'd been some signs sort of post-Christmas that things were catching up on, on him a little bit. Um, might have benefited from a rest, but he's been right bang at it the last couple of games. So there's a balancing act here between trying to do what's right for the team Um but also trying to ride this positive momentum at the moment and not taking this game for granted too much. Do you go as strong as possible and then, you know, hopefully get the job done reasonably early and then and then turn to your bench? I don't know. Um, I thought Lewis Travis came on and looked quite good in the last year and he came on in the 83rd minute, I think, mm. at the weekend for uh, Luongo. But um, he made two or three big 50-50 tackles in, in the middle of the park. Do you... Do you put him in and, and and dip Massimo Luongo out for a game? I don't know. Um, I would imagine Wes Burns will come back into the, the side, having not started at, at the weekend for Amari Hutchinson. Um, I think you've got to keep riding 
with Connor Chaplin at the moment after he scored at the weekend. We talk about him being a purple patch goal scorer and you heard his his comments earlier on in, in the pod about him wanting more and chomping at the bit to score more goals. Broadhead's an interesting one. You know, we've talked a lot about how he's right at it at the moment and I, I think my instinct would be to kind of ride that and go with that as well. But there's obviously plenty of options for that position with Sarmiento, with Marcus Harness, that wouldn't completely shock me. Um, and then there'll be a, a clamour for Ali Alhamadi, I think, to, to start his first game. People are really excited by what they've seen with his three cameos so far. His personality has really endeared himself. He even sort of went across and jokingly went to do the Harry Clark fist pump at the end of the game at the weekend. And... Um, People have really fallen in love with him quite quickly and, and there'll be some that might say, is this the sort of game that's perfect to give him his home, you know, his, his full debut at home against a team that's bottom of the table? But for me, you, I think Kiefer Moore will, will start pretty much every game, if not all of them, between now and the end of the season. Can you put Al Hamadi in, in that, maybe that left slot where Broadhead is, possibly, because he's played on the left for, for Wimbledon? Maybe, but... Um, I think I'd be inclined to go with most of that team that started the last the last couple of days, and then and then see where they're at for for Birmingham on Saturday. How about you, Rossi? We know you love Ali Al Hamadi. Another one of your excellent predictions. <clears throat> Would you be clamouring for him to to start? And if you were going to put him into the side, and I know you hate these questions, who would you who would you dip out in his place? Would you would you bench Big Keith Chief? By the way, we we learned his nickname was last week Chief, which. I really like as a nickname. It's it's kind of creative. It's not usual. Just add a Y to the end of a of a name uh, as a nickname. Chief kind of fits him, doesn't it? But would you would you put Chief on the bench to bring on Ali Al Hamadi for his his first start tomorrow? Well, the thing with um, Al Hamadi, he can play across that that front three, can't he? So mm. you know, he could potentially play in that ten role, maybe on the left. Um, but maybe I don't know if Keith Moore needs a rest. Really, I don't know. But maybe that's a good opportunity for him just to rest him for this sort of game. Uh, obviously, Rotherham they've got some big centre half, so potentially maybe keep Keith Moore in and put Ahamadi on the left. But you know, do you want to drop out Broadhead? It's it's a tricky one, really. Who 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 you would dip out because obviously these players they want to play, they want to play. Um, but maybe give that Ali Ahamadi that chance to lead the line and see what he can do from the start and um, yeah, Portman Road. So, yeah, why not? Keith Moore, have a little rest, my friends. Come back for, for Saturday. Uh, again, still be playing Saturday. Birmingham, Birmingham City. Um, so, yeah, why not? Al Hamadi, lead the line and score and have a goal. I, like I think it. with, with Kiefer Moore, I mean, he's been described as a robust man, naturally, mm. but robust man by Kiefer Moore. And he's not played loads of football in the first half of the season. So he's not got loads of miles on the clock in terms of this this season. And I think Ipswich have you know, pushed the boat out to make him a statement signing on transfer deadline day. They're still trying to build some relationships, you know, on the pitch with, with him in the side, um, get him fully up to speed and... and and firing, um, I I can't see a situation where Kiefer Moore gets gets rested. Um, certainly not in this game. Um, get the job done, and and then maybe bring bring Al Hamadi on. I think would would be uh, the way I see this panning out. Okay, um, the way you see this panning out, Stu, you've been very very modest as is your as is your style, your mo. Not to mention the fact you've got the uh, the score right on Saturday, which um, ah I yes, found, I found absolutely crushing. Back to within a point, I believe. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I'm looking at the table. I'm not really sure what's going on. I seem to have lost some points. Um, I know I was given one 
but I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I have to ask the uh, the league panel to to have a look. Anyway, you got it right, Stewie. So you're just claiming that that there's some some skullduggery going on. Yeah, because I'm sure I was closer okay. to the top two than I than I was when the graphic emerged on Saturday. Anyway, not that I'm con- I'm insanely competitive. Um, Stewie, you got it. You got it right on uh, on Saturday. What do you reckon will be the score tomorrow? Being as you're riding that hot hand. Or uh, has has to be an Ipswich win prediction, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm going to look? I did predictions for the next nine games, didn't I? I feel like I should try and stay Stick consistent. Stick to that. Uh, let me have a little look while uh, while we're talking, and I'll I'll see what I went with. Uh, I ooh, <laughs> didn't know I'd gone that high. I'd got four <laughs> nil in that prediction. Oof. Um Got a four niller. So. Yeah, why not? I'll stick with it. I think I do think this has got the potential um, to be a good night under uh, you know for Ipswich Town under the lights against a team struggling. And, and as Ross said, there was a time not so long ago that Rotherham was a name that would give Ipswich fans the jitters. They had Ipswich's yeah. number big time in League One. They were kind of shorthand for how difficult it was to get out of that league. They were big. They were physical. They had people like Matt Crooks and Matt Smith up front that were always a handful. Um, it just it's another reminder of just how far Ipswich have come that they now go into a game against Rotherham as heavy, heavy favourites. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that, 4-0. And who's going to score the first goals to you? Uh, Connor Chaplin. I think he's he's due to go on a, a nice little run now, hopefully. He's on fire. Rossi, what are you saying? Oh, do you know what? I don't know why. And some town fans will be screaming at me. Why are you being nice to Rotherham? I, I don't know. I feel like I give them a give them a goal. Just give them a goal. I know town town defence won't be happy that they won't keep in a clean sheet. So maybe give them a goal. Um, I'm not going to go too high scoring because you just I don't know. Rotherham may just try to defend for their lives. I think they will try <clears> to attack. I want to go three one. I think that's just a, a nice, just solid, solid win. Maybe go three nil up. Rotherham score a consolation late on. Um, yeah, 3-1. First goal scorer, do I give good old Brody another goal? Um, but will he score first? Maybe a centre-half could score. I'm thinking too much into this. Nah, let's do Nathan Broadhead again. Score first, another goal for him. It's a beautiful insight into Rossi's internal <laughs> monologue there. That's actually what, what's happening in his brain. Um, so you're saying 3-1. Who did you say? I, I can't remember you said in the end. Nathan Broadhead. Nathan Broadhead. Score. Broadhead, as good as he's been in the last three games, he's really got to work on his knee slides. Really, really disappointing end to his knee slide at the weekend. He did that kind of thing where he stuck in the turf and almost fell out. Perfect over. conditions for it as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't see the Evans do that. Um, I'm going to say 3-0, friends, and I'm going to make a big shout here. I said that Connor Chaplin's going to score a hat-trick before the end of the season. I think tomorrow is oh. the time that he does it. 3-0, Connor Chaplin hat-trick tomorrow. And if that comes off, I want all the points. I want 25 points, oh, please. We're allowed these hot takes, and we? I think students. So how many points take. do you get? If I get that right, that, that oh. needs more than five points, for example. That needs, oh. I'd say, 50 at least. I don't know. What do you reckon, Stu? <laughs> we, can make, we, we can make the decision. Uh, well, let's let's sort this out now. That is a bold That is a bold take. I, I think that would be worthy of three points. Three points? God, dear, oh, dear. It's a tough panel. Um, okay, so if I get that right, I get three points on top of everything else. Yes. Right then, friends, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Obviously, we had a, a very surprised guest, which I'm I'm, I'm guessing you, you probably enjoyed. Mike Bacon, his book's out now. Deceive Me by, sorry, Michael Bacon, the author. Um, order that from Amazon. Friends, anything else to mention before we take our leave and crack on with the day ahead? 
no, uh, Ross said that he thinks Rotherham are going to give it a go and have an attack. Yeah. I'm not so sure. I think uh, I think this could be one of those games where they they come and park the bus and try and be a little bit awkward. And there were times in League One, even when Ipswich were doing really well, that those games proved difficult, didn't they? To, I'm trying to think of games: Lincoln, Cheltenham, matches like that. I think if there's any way Rotherham get, get uh, anything from this game, it's just trying to be awkward and difficult to break down and. And Ipswich get frustrated and maybe concede a set piece and a bit of frustration creeps into the crowd. So hopefully it won't be one of those sort of games. Now you feel like Ipswich have got some different options, some dribblers, some uh, options to fling it into the box if they need to. They've got players on the bench that can change it as well. So I'm quietly confident Ipswich won't won't slip on this banana skin and um, that will set up Saturday against Birmingham. Tony Mowbray's Birmingham who are starting to have a bit of a renaissance. Um, Andre Dezel has gone in there and, and done quite well. And uh, years, yeah, right? I think Ross has just shared it in the yeah. chat that Tony Mowbray's um, away from the touchlines for a few weeks because of some yeah. health issues as well. So uh, <clears> I'm sure Ipswich fans will all be wishing Mogger well. Um, bit of an Ipswich legend, an Ipswich icon. Um, so we'll see how much that affects them because... Um, you know, they, they've, they've been doing OK in the last few games, one at the weekend. So a big week for Ipswich Town, two home games back to back. Yeah, look forward to covering it as always. Mm. Rossi, anything else from you? No, just, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening once again. I'm doing your outro, I don't know why I'm doing your outro. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be meeting uh, another competition winner. Um, yes. So the vouchers are still safe with me. Uh, Will has won that. So um, if you want to, we've got, is it... How many more days left of One. The, the current finishes day? tomorrow, Rossi? Excellent, excellent point, by the way, friend. There is we currently have uh, the last couple of days for our February sale on digital subscriptions. You can get five months of everything we do for just five pounds, which is less than a pint. At least it's less than a pint if you drink in the places that I drink in. Uh, you can also get thirty percent off a whole year if you want to sign up for the whole year. Um, that's another good deal. So that finishes tomorrow night. So um, after. After the game tomorrow, midnight tomorrow night, um, you have to have signed up by if you want to take get five pounds, five months for five pounds, take advantage of that. The other thing I just want to mention as well, uh, Rossi, I know a lot of people who listen to this show are also fans of the noble sport of pugilism. Um, and we went and spoke to Eilish Tierney, who is um, Suffolk's very first female professional boxer, <clears throat> who's making her debut at the iconic York Hall this weekend. Me and Rossi went to see her last week. Video coming to Kings of Anger YouTube channel probably on Wednesday, I would say, um, which we can uh, discuss afterwards. But really, really good story with her. Much like Fabio Wardley, started boxing to try and lose some weight. She was 15 stone when she started boxing, got into white-collar boxing, found out she was really good at it. And now she's going to make history as Suffolk's first professional female boxer. And she told us, Rossi, did she not, that she's going to be a world champion before Fabio Wardley, which is a big shout. Uh, and I like her. I really like Eilish, actually. She, was, uh, she spoke very well, very confident. Um, so look out for that interview coming your way. Obviously, the usual reminder to support our sponsors, use the code COA at manscaped.com for 20% off uh, and free delivery on all that excellent clobber. Also, uh, follow us on TikTok, among all the other social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or X. No one calls it X today, ridiculous. Um, and also, friends, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes just to help lift us in the charts and feed my fragile ego, that'd be tremendous. Friends, first podcast of the week is in the books. A big opportunity for Ipswich Town to make it three in a row tomorrow. We'll be back later on this week to talk about it. Um, and we'll speak to you then. Mm-hmm.